at a time when investors are confronted with market volatility and a variety of challenges fueled by the uncertainty of inflation, unsettled geopolitical tensions, and economic pressures, Justin Klein and Steve Peasley stand ready to take your finance and investment questions and share their unbiased answers. This is Invest Talk, independent thinking, shared success. Invest Talk is made possible by KPP Financial, a registered investment advisor firm serving clients throughout the United States. The clarity for your path forward starts now. Here is KPP Financial President, Financial Advisor, Steve Peasley. Good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Invest Talk. It is Tuesday, November 8, 2022, and it's Election Day. I hope you got out there and voted. And if you haven't voted yet, make sure you go out there and, get, and vote. Got to vote. You got to vote. You want to have a say so in your government? You got to vote. So just get out there and vote. I don't care what party you belong to. It's an important thing to do. And, you know, as you know, uh, it, here in Southern California, it's raining. It's raining. It rained all day. I'm amazed. We haven't had rain all day in over a year. So it's great. I love the rain. So in you know in LA, San Diego, Orange County, I'm you know I'm in Orange County, so I'm between LA and San Diego. It rained all day. It snowed in Reno, 57 degrees in New York, very temp- temperate there. I mean, geez. And we got a couple more weeks before Thanksgiving. My favorite holiday it is my favorite holiday. The stock market, well, you know, it's actually it's been up five percent so far this month. That's not bad. I think it's 5% this month, or has it been the last 30 days? Let me check my notes here. I made a note. Uh, yeah, pretty good. Not bad. It's an update today, so can't complain about that. Even though it's still, we are still in the doldrums of a bear market, we're still there. So I can't get too excited. You know, everything, the stock market changes all the time. You have to be prepared for that. Okay, in 2022, we've seen a pretty volatile year, and most of that volatility has been on the downside. Okay, we have up and down, up and down, but most of it's on the downside. So, therefore, I'm hoping your your portfolio is pretty balanced. It's optimized to where you feel comfortable, where you don't feel like you have to panic out or panic in or anything like that. Hopefully, you are comfortable where you are, because that's the key. Not to panic in, not to panic out. Don't be buying stuff because you, you, know, you think you're going to miss. Or don't be selling stuff because you're losing money. That's not the reason to buy or sell. It isn't. Believe it or not, there are specific things that you should be buying and selling, reasons that buy and sell, but that's not them. That's just because the market's moving one way or another. Anyways, I'm Steve Peasley. I'm here today on the radio and podcast to talk to you about your portfolio. Answer any financial questions you might have. Most questions, of course, are about the stock, stock market, stock, economics, some 401ks, IRAs. Well, answer any financial questions you might have. And if I can't get the answer, we'll find the answer for you. We will. The number, the anytime number, because it's always open anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's 888-99-CHART. 888-992-4278. And, of course, as usual, i got a bunch of material I'm going to share with you. Okay, my focus point today is how to cope with financial shocks. I've had several financial shocks over my lifetime. It's a couple of them big, big suckers. <laughs> but how do you cope with that? You know, there's some, some things that you could do. Some of it is preventive, you know, that you can do. 
So we're, that's going to be our, our uh, one of my biggest uh, talking points today. Okay. Um, also, uh, I have some that I think we should talk about. On Thursday, we get the CPI numbers. Why is that important? Inflation, consumer price index. I think we be, be prepared. I don't think it's going to change much. I still think it's going to be pretty high. Uh, the midterms and elections. And what do the midterm elections, which we're having today, what does that do to the S&P 500? What, what is the average return or fall 12 months hence after the midterms? Do you have any idea? I'm going to share that. I like statistics. I, I like looking at statistics, statistics, but always always have the statistics, always be cautious of them because it doesn't mean they have to come true. You know, it doesn't. But I like them because there's a it's a background that you can take comfort in or understand at least what's happening. And finally, did you hear about Canada kicking out the... Three Chinese uh, companies uh, in, in that invested in the mining industry. Mining. Those are things that I'm going to talk about. The market was up today. 334 points on the Dow. 52 points on the NASDAQ. And 21 points on the S&P 500. I think that's the third day, fourth day in a row. So, you know, what is the election going to do? I, I think, you know, the election... If the market is up before the election, does that mean that the, whatever whatever the investors thought was going to happen is, is it already built into the market? That's always that. But of course, if there's a big surprise in the election, the market will either fall hard or spike up. If there's surprise, comes in as as, expe- as expected. I don't think I don't see we'll see much much in the way of change. You know, I don't see. I don't think we as, as volatile. Again, the number. You know, we got a lot planned today. The number to call. You can call. We're live. Eight 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 ninety nine chart is a number. We're live Monday through Friday, four to five Pacific time. Eight 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 nine nine two four two seven eight. So that's what the market did today. But what do you guys want to talk about? You come first. Always, always come. Always. Always we, you client, the client comes to us. So we're going to go to our first voicemail, voice uh, bank question. And it's, uh, oh, no, we have, a, we have a live caller. Okay, voicemail. Let's go to our first voicemail caller. Hi, Steve and Justin. This is Kevin calling from Locker Center, California. My question is about Zebra Technologies. I started a, a small position in this company earlier this year. Their stock price got crushed on their earnings um, based on a miss. I didn't read into or listen to their report. I'm wondering if you think this is a good time to build the full position on this stock at this time. I do like what they're involved in as a company. I'm just trying to see if you feel like this is a good time to go ahead and buy more of it. I appreciate your time, and I look forward to hearing your answer on the show. Thank you. Okay, this is Zebra Technologies. Zebra Technologies, symbol ZBRA, makes direct thermal and thermal transfer printers, RFID, and inter-encorders, and dye simulation card printers. Whatever that does. Um, It's a growth stock. It's a $12 billion company selling for $234.65 a share. $234. They make money. They've made money for for a number of years. They're going to make $17.35 this year. That's down from $18.45 last year. 
Uh, next year, they're going to be at $17.80, up again. Sales is a growth stock, and sales have been falling steadily for the last four or five quarters. And in the September quarter of this year, uh, sales actually shrunk 4%, and that's why the stock peaked at about 500 Now it's at 234 It looks like there's a heck of a lot of support, support, a heck of a lot of support right in this area, 230 between 200 and 250, tons of support for the company, uh, the stock price. So if you're really sold on the company, it should come into support. It should stop falling. It should. But remember, it's a growth company, and you're in the period where growth companies do not perform because the economy is slowing down. So I, I would be patient. It might still have further to go. But is uh, I would suggest that it's at a pretty good price right here. Uh, return equity is very good at 39%. Management owns 1%. Funds own 49% of the company. Cash flow is very strong at $19.98. They do not have a lot of that. So there's a lot of good things going for it. Uh, I think yeah, you, could, you could pick up your other half position. As long as you have a long time horizon, this stock will work. But. For me, I'd probably be a little bit more patient to see if it comes down further. I'd like to see some strength come into the stock. Some strength. Okay? We're headed into a break. I welcome your financial investment questions now. No questions too simple or too complex. And you set the agenda, not me. Call Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Why do listener questions make Invest Talk better? Which of these would you recommend? Because each caller presents fresh questions in their voice. I was curious if you still think aluminum has a ways to go from here. When do I know the right time to take profits? Should I be looking for an exit? Should I be holding here? And listeners instinctively realize that Invest Talk uniquely offers a welcome dose of investing satisfaction. I think you have a terrific show, and I've learned a whole lot. Hey guys, love your show. Uh, I've been listening for several years now, and I've learned a lot. Justin Klein and Steve Peasley understand what investors need and want. I would look at it from a tax perspective. If there's no tax implications, move on, find better ways to use that money. I'm going with the odds. I think a half position now would at least get you in it and get you watching it so you won't lose track of it. Don't forget to call Investor. 888-99-CHART. I host the Invest Talk podcast, I have the satisfaction of taking caller questions and then breaking down the often complex dynamics involved. I make them into easier to understand elements. Each question is tackled live without pre-screening, and some topics are more challenging than others. And that's a good thing because it allows every Invest Talk caller to shape the content of the podcast. If you've never called, don't hold back. You can leave your Invest Talk questions on the 24-7 anytime listener line at 888-99-CHART. Okay, our main talking point, how to cope with financial shocks. And for years and years and years and years, not only I, but every money manager out there in the world have been suggesting that you need to have three to six months of your salary saved up for emergency funds. That's the basic thing that you can do to prepare for a financial shock. That's the first thing, the basic thing. 
And, you know, everybody should do it. There should be no question. I'm amazed how many people live paycheck to paycheck. Now, you're going to say, well, maybe they can't afford to save money. Maybe, And I'm going to tell you that's not true. I don't care how little you make. You can always save something and put it aside for the rainy day. And if you make so little that you can't, then find another job. You've got to work two jobs till you can. I know that sounds cruel, but that's how it works. That's how it worked in my life. I mean, at one point, I had three jobs because they didn't conflict with each other. So you can do it. It's just hard, very hard. But let's go beyond that. Then what? Okay, what if what if it's a really difficult financial shock? Like, let's say uh, you got laid off. That's a huge financial shock, right? How do you deal with that? Well, most people, when they get laid off or fired or whatever, you know, they get they go through the five phases of, uh, you know, denial, anger, disappointment, all those things that they talk about, you know, the different phases. But once you get off that, you know, you need to start taking positive actions. Okay, you got laid off. Okay, you've you done it. It's done. You got fired. Okay. You can't just stop. Don't let that beat you. Maybe your boss was just, a, you, know, a, you know, a jerk. Okay? Whatever. But so you need to always, always, always have your resume ready. And if you didn't, produce a resume. Be proactive in job searching. Don't just sit back and woe is me. Pick up yourself. Go out there and get another job. Take a look at your skill set. What are you skillful at? What have you trained yourself to do? What other jobs have you had? And what do you really want to do? Or what can you do to make more money? Then you start picking up the phone and start calling your friends. Networking. Professional friends. See what's out there. And, of course, you're going to have to cut back your spending. That's obvious, you know, right? Because you have no job. But one of the things I can tell you this, as in, I've hired many, many, many people over my years, and I'll tell you this. I will hire somebody who's more, who has a positive disposition over somebody who is moaning about their last job or not, you know, not just up. You've got to be positive. You've got to go get them. Be a go-getter. You've heard that term. Be positive. Go out there and find something. Find something better. You know how I look at it? You know, I bought houses over the years. And, you know, every time I put a bid on a house I wanted to buy and missed it, and there's been a half a dozen of those times, every time that's ever happened to me, I said, there will be a better one coming down the road. Same thing with jobs. You don't get this job because they hired somebody else. Don't worry about it. Another better job will come down the road. That's how you have to look at it. Be positive. Get out there. You can do it. It's a fast-moving Tuesday, everybody. The market's constantly changing. You must have a financial investment question sitting in the back of your head. Well, get it out in front of your head and ask me. You can pick the subject. You do. 888-99-CHART. Each day, Invest Talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email. Would you like your question to be put near the top of the list? Just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for Invest Talk at iTunes. And be sure to include a brief question with your iTunes review comments. Hi, Stephen Justin. I'm calling in on a question whether to put funds for retirement into CD, which 
I can find one that's earning almost like 3.8% or versus putting, also considering putting money into a treasury bill or note rather on a short-term basis. So just wondered to see, and income doesn't, taxes don't really make a difference in my case. I just probably want it for, to have an income stream when I retire in about a few years. So just wondered what would be what would be safer to invest in a CD since the rate is locked in, or I think the Treasury note, the rate fluctuates more. So I'll be listening to the answer on your show. Thank you. Okay, Treasury rate does not fluctuate. Uh, if you buy a Treasury paying 3%, it'll pay you 3% for as long as that Treasury note, if it's a one-year, two-year, three-year, whatever years it is, pays you that same rate. And the only, it is tax-deferred, federally tax-deferred. The CD, of course, any income from that is added to your ordinary income and taxed. But you say that the taxes are not an issue. So if that's the case, then you look for the best return. What's my best return? Because both of them are very safe. Uh, the Treasury is safer than the CD because the bank, private company, issues CDs and the Treasury is issued by the U.S. government. So it depends on what your rates are and how long you want to go out. You know, uh, I do think interest rates will still keep creeping up because the Federal Reserve hasn't stopped raising its rates. They said they have not stopped. They said they're going to continue to raise them. So I think you're looking at higher rates. So don't lock it in too long uh, because, you you know, when it comes, when they come due, you'll have higher rates that you can lock in at a higher return for you. Okay. Thanks for the call. Pretty appreciate that. Let's go to Joe in Kansas. Hi, Joe. Hey, Steve. Thanks for taking my call today. Um, I was calling about uh, company restricted stock units. I'm, okay. I'm getting some, uh, which I'm excited about. Right. But I'm kind of curious what what impact that has on overall stock price when a company um, purchases these stocks for for their um, employees and at the same time so what happens is we got like a, a three year period that you know they buy them for us we have to hold on to them for three years and can't sell them it's like a lockup and then after that three years we can sell those stocks they, they actually I, I think that they're sold and then they take the taxes and stuff out of them so there's a large amount that's sold but then they're also buying them for the next go around so right, right. how does that impact, like, stock price overall of the company? Um, that okay. They have these huge transactions all at once. Yeah, um, these are, R, they, you know, they're called RSU, restricted, restricted Stock Units. It's pretty common. Usually they're issued by bigger companies. And because they're usually issued by bigger companies, generally there's not much impact on the stock price by the restricted stock units, whether they're being sold or bought. They're usually very minimal, very minimal impact. If it was RSU of a very small company with a very restricted float, meaning number of shares out there being traded, then it would have more of an impact. But that's kind of unusual. They don't issue that many of them that try, they try not to have an impact. You know, that's the whole idea. It's not to drive the stock price up or down, really. Um, but to offer you a benefit, you as an employee, are they, if they, many times they give them, you know, at a, uh, for you, because if you, they want you to stay with the company, 
Okay, I have a, I had a friend who worked for Helen, worked for Helen Troy, was retiring, and he had RSUs, and they kept offering more and more and more as he's at retirement age, trying to keep him the stay of the company, and he would have to give up his restricted units because he didn't keep them long enough, and he lost about a million dollars because of that because he had to, you know, he he wanted to walk away and retire, and they kept teasing him with them, but. For as far as impact on the stock, really, there's not really much of an impact usually. Very little. Very, very little. You, okay. wouldn't, even, you wouldn't even see it probably. Okay? Okay. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks for the call. I appreciate that. RSUs, people. The lucky people, some of those lucky ones out there get them. I never I never did. But, yeah, I never worked for a company that offered them. So, just the way it is. 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. Again, mind you, to go vote, this is election day. So, you know, I really, really want you to go vote. I, I'm, there's, a, there's a, more and more people are saying we should really have a, a day off for election day, and I, I think we should. I think it should be a national holiday so everybody can go vote if they want to vote instead of, you know, go in after work or lunch break or whatever. I really do think it's kind of important, and I don't see why that can't be done. Why not? It's Trivia Tuesday, everybody, and my trivia segment today concerns one of the greatest financial innovations in history, the corporation. So after we go to break, here's my trivia question. How far back can we trace the history of corporations? In other words, when was the concept first recognized by organized societies? When? I'll supply the answer after the break. My Investor phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the Internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use, and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So. Stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E.com. HackerOne.com. InvestTalk is here to help. And when you download the free InvestTalk podcasts, don't forget to rate and review. The phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART. Let's talk to Lauren in Michigan. Hi, Lauren. Hi. Uh, really enjoyed your show, and uh, thanks Thank for you. all the help that you've given us for the years. So I just had a question. 
um, about earnings versus cash flow. Okay. So I know you mentioned to stay away from earning uh, companies that don't make money and have negative earnings. Um, what about like a negative cash flow in a company though? Is that a bad sign or should I stay away from them? Yeah, it is. Uh, you know, Cash flow and earnings are two separate line items on the balance sheet. Cash flow means how much cash is coming in the door, right? You sell X amount of number of widgets and you have that cash coming in. Okay, great. I have cash flow. Earnings is after I pay all my expenses, then what do I have left from the cash flow? Okay, so if I don't have any earnings, that means I'm not selling anything. I have no cash flow. No, so that means you don't have a product or your product's not selling or something. So you don't even have the beginning of a company because you still haven't got any, you have an idea is what you're doing. You have an idea that I can make money, I can make these widgets and sell them. So cash flow is extremely important, more so, I don't want to say more so, that might be wrong, but just as important as earnings because if you got First have cash flow, and from that, you can get earnings. Now, you may have cash flow. Look at Amazon. Amazon Amazon lost money for years and years and years and years, spending every cash flow, every dime they came in, they spent to expand their business, and that cost a lot of money. So they had no earnings, but they had great cash flow, and the cash flow kept going up and up and up and up. So cash flow is very, very important. Thanks, Laura. And that's, a good, that's a very good question. Very good question. Okay, before the break, I had a trivia question about corporations. Okay, how far back can we trace the history of corporations? In other words, when was the first concept first recognized by organized societies? First, we've got to define a corporation. So I'll do that in pretty broad terms, okay? A corporation is an association of individuals created by law or under authority of law, having a continuous existence independent of the existence of its members. Think of a corporation as a separate entity. I, you know, when, when I was teaching some classes, I would say, think of a corporation as an individual over here. His name is company. Whatever the name of the company, that's his name. He is an individual, and that guy, company, corporation, whatever form it is, that guy is an individual, okay? And you formed him under the laws of the country you're in. So that's a corporation, and that corporation now can conduct business, okay? So what kind of business? There's millions of different kinds of businesses, right? Uh, how old does it go back? How far does it go back? Everybody's, everybody's familiar with modern corporations, right? We're all very familiar with today's corporation. Well, let me give you, let me give you a little history. The word corporation derives from the, from the word corpus, the Latin word for body or body of people. So think about corpse, dead person, right? Corpus, corporation. As early as the year 1527, Roman law recognized a range of comp- corporate entities under names like universities, corpus, or collegium. In medieval Europe, churches became incorporated, as did local governments, such as the city of London the City of London Corporation. The point was that the incorporation would permit survival in perpetuity, longer than the lives of any one person or member of that society or corporation or whatever it is, group. 
In early times, there was no limited liability envisioned. A corporation members could then be held responsible for unlimited losses by the company. That changed in England with the Limited Liability Act of 1855. Lots of histories, everybody. So in summary, it is widely known that the formation of corporations, which is the principle of pooled risks, have greatly helped to boost global, global per capita production. It's made us wealthy, made the world much wealthier with the, with the survival of corporation. Researchers estimate that after, uh, that after taking 3,000 years to double from 1500 BC to 1500 AD, then almost another four centuries to double again, global per capita production has ballooned sevenfold during the last century. So corporations exploded. What else exploded? Population, wealth. So, it's a really good concept, corporations. Now, it could be abused like anything else, right? A corporation can be abused. You form a corporation, there's been scams, there's all kinds of things that can be abused, and that's, of course, why you have a body of law surrounding them, and it makes perfect sense, okay? So, you know, one of the best things, and what the United States can do that has been one of the best benefits is that we form corporations and we allow people to form entities to pool money to invest in new ideas. That has what made us the strong company, country we are. New ideas, pooling finances to do it. One way, shape, or another, it could be borrowed money, it could be a form of corporation, invest in a company. It's just been, it's actually, if you sit back and look at it, look at the wealth of the whole world, it's only a good thing, not a bad thing. It's not. It's a good thing by far. Let's pivot to a voice bank question, 888-99-CHART. Hi, I'm Justin. This is Amir from Detroit. I had a question about S 500. I have about like a 30% of my portfolio of 500. Uh, you know, it grew a little bit during the past few weeks. And uh, I guess you mentioned that maybe it's at the bottom right now. But, you know, the market is volatile. I'm not sure that it's going to go down furthermore or not. I wonder if I should keep it or I should sell it or okay, keep it to see that if it grows a little bit more or not. Thank you so much. Well, if you're invested in the S&P 500, I will tell you this. There has been maybe once in the last 100 years that the S&P 500 has been down in any one decade, any 10-year period. The S&P 500 may be down once or twice. So if you're a long-term holder, you just hold on to it. Don't worry about it. Stop looking at it. Don't panic. You know, you know, you should, and if you're old and you're getting close to retirement, then that's when you should, you know, cut back, take less risk. But you don't sell old. You're still on the younger side. Just stick with it. Just, uh, frankly, you should put more money in it. When the market's down, keep putting more money in it. It will work and you will make a lot of money. Try not to ever time the market. It's almost impossible People all, all for, throughout history that I've been doing this, 
Everybody thinks they can time the market. I can't tell you how many systems people tell me, I got a new system. Oh, this guy has a new system. Oh, th this this guy wrote a book and he has a new system that, you know, you can time the market by buying this, selling this, oh, but it's not timing the market, but, you know, you look for this to happen and then that makes it go up. All of that is BS. Okay? All of it. You cannot time the market. Doesn't work. Can you get lucky? Sure. Sure. You can get lucky. You can you can you can win have winning bets for a number string of string of them in a row. Long term, can't do it. Don't work. You'd be much better with time in the market than trying to time the market. Just stay in the market. What do you think Warren Buffett does? You know, he doesn't he doesn't get out when the market's low. He buys. Okay. I, apparently, I have to make a correction. I said 1527 in Rome when it was 527, 527, not 1527. Sorry about that, 527. Uh, okay, talking point. Okay, on Thursday, the CPI numbers come out, right? CPI, Consumer Price Index, the PPI, Producer Price Index. And uh, uh, there's going to be, a, on Thursday, a bunch of speeches by Federal Reserve presidents. You know we have, what, 12 of them? A bunch of speeches by different presidents on Thursday. What they say is going to be more important than what the numbers actually are. We know there's going to be high inflation. Everybody's looking for what we call the pivot point that the Fed's going to take. What, where is the pivot to, to uh, lower rates? When's that going to happen? And I, I'll submit that we're nowhere near them yet. That's what the Fed's telling us. I'm just believing what the Fed's telling me. We have to see inflation subside. We have to see some evidence that it's going to subside. So we're looking for evidence that the economy is going to subside. And that's exactly what the Fed's trying to do, make the economy shrink. Okay, they won't say that. They'll never say that. But that's the whole point of raising interest rates, to slow it down. So that wouldn't so it grows less or stops growing altogether for a while. That will kill inflation. That's the point. Okay. Okay. Um, the seasons changing as they always do. We're getting into winter. I love it because today we had big heavy rain. It's, I'm looking out my back window of my office here, and it's raining right now. With real windy. Love the weather. Love it. Because we don't usually have. We have one weather. We have sun. I mean, <laughs> that's what we have. So I love the, anybody who's lived in California most of their lives loves the changes, okay? And it's going to get cold in certain parts of the West. It's going to get to 40s degrees in some parts of the West here. So, But that, no matter what, the change of weather, you know, the market is going to be the market. It's going to be volatile. It's going to continue to be volatile. We've been calling for volatility for a couple of years now. Uh, we've been calling for the, a, a repricing of growth stocks, and we've seen that in the last this last you know, 10, 11 months, repricing of growth stocks and more favorable approach to value stocks. And that can, is going to continue. Knowing when and how these things happen is important. And it's very difficult for you, the individual, to know that because you don't have the time like we do to study it all day, to pay attention. You don't have that. Well, let us take that. Let KPP Financial help you. I'm Steve Peasley, and I'm president of KPP and, and owner, and Justin is my partner. We're partners in KPP Financial. We're in Orange County, Orange County, California, between L.A. and San Diego County. 
And one thing that we do that other people do, don't do, we have a, a philosophy of independent thinking and share success, but we also implement what we call unbiased guidance and parallel investing. Okay, we don't buy somebody else's recommendations to buy or sell stocks. We make our own decisions. And we, in our various programs, we have five, we buy the same stocks for ourselves, same price, same time as we do for our clients. That's what we do. So we want to be on the same side of the table as our clients. That's our desire. So if you want us to explain a little bit more how that works, or if you want us to just take a look at your portfolio, be happy to do that. No obligation, no price. And sincerely, there is no obligation. There really isn't. You can talk to us, talk to us for half an hour, hang up the phone, and we'll wish you a great day, and maybe we'll see you someday, maybe we won't. That's as simple as that. But I think after about 10 minutes talking to us, you'll find that we're different. We're very different. We can help you. We want to help you. And we want you to let us help you. So give us a call. Our caller questions are always first. So, of course, we have recorded calls as well. But if you're, we're live right now, 888-99-CHART. You can call right now. But if not, it's okay. That number is always the same, 888-99-CHART. Hi, Stephen Justin. I'm Matt from Illinois. I'm 26 years old and recently started investing in Fidelity Zero Fee Large Cap Index Fund, ticker FNILX. I plan on incrementally investing around 60% of my portfolio into this fund, and I plan on splitting the remaining 40% evenly into a low-fee, small-cap index fund and an international index fund. I was wondering if you think this is a solid approach as a long-term, 30-plus-year investment strategy. Thank you, guys, and I look forward to hearing your thoughts on the show. Absolutely. Very sound approach. You're 20, late 20s. You want to be a little bit more aggressive. Stay in the market. You've broken it up a little bit between large caps, small caps, and international. Absolutely proper approach. Yes. Now, of course, there's a million different other approaches, but this one is just fine. Just do that. Be consistent at it. Don't get scared out of the market. And in 30, 40, 50 years, however long your period is, you'll be wealthy. It's that simple. It's that, you know, I can't make it any simpler. Problem is, is the emotions in between that time when your portfolio goes down 50%, because it probably will at some point during those years, you're going to panic out. That's the absolutely wrong thing to do. Absolutely the wrong thing to do. So, yes, your approach is perfectly sound, and please do it. Uh, the, the symbol is F-N-I-L-X, called Fidelity Zero Large Cap Index. But, I, you know, I, I think it's smart to have some small cap, which you said you were going to do, and some international. I, absolutely. There'll be some overlap with the large cap Fidelity Index and the international. So, but that's okay. That's okay. Okay, let's make it two calls in a row. 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Brayton from Thousand Oaks. I was just calling out so if I could get your... Uh analysis or advice on a company, Impig, I-M-P-I-N-G, and the symbol is P-I. Just hoping you could take a look at it and see if it was worth getting into and what a good uh, price tag would be. I'll listen on the show. Thank you. Okay, there's a company out of Seattle, Imping, I-M-P-I-N-G-I, I-M-P-I-N-J, Inc. Okay. It's a $2.7 billion company, provides radio frequency identification a solutions, so RFID, locating uh, authors, that's what it does. RFID, it's an RFID. May, they make money, made money the last four years in a row. They're going to make $1.26 this year. It's $107 stock. That tells you it's pretty darn expensive. But the growth rate is impressive, 50% last quarter. 
So it's probably worth that expense. But remember, growth stocks are not in favor, but this one is doing very, very well. New 52-week high, you know, uh, might be a little late to the game, but no, it's a good, solid company. It really is. This is Invest Talk. I'm Steve Peasley, and we have one goal here to help you achieve financial freedom, and our work will continue after this break. So get your questions in, 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. Every Friday on the program and the podcast, Steve Peasley shares highlights from the newest edition of the KPP Premium Newsletter. Listen Fridays to Invest Talk. And now, Steve and Justin welcome your calls and questions. 888 99 Chart. Hi, Justin and Steve. This is Bill from Michigan. Just had a question about what you might recommend from an investment strategy for somebody who's going to retire soon looking to invest some money I just uh, was able to come by and looking to see what makes sense versus investing in a bond ladder. So I would hold the bonds and just accrue the, uh, the interest versus doing some of the dividend type stocks, maybe from the aristocrat or the king type of uh, strategies and whether or not you would pick one of these over the other or whether you might recommend doing both and then what the distribution would that be a 50 50 or what, what you might recommend again thanks for everything you guys do and i'll listen on the podcast for the answer well i like doing both uh, uh for for a variety of reasons i know if i build a bond ladder and interest rates are rising then i'm going to get higher and higher and higher yields from my bonds and i would be using the high quality corporate bonds uh um in that case unless i needed the tax break and then i would do the same thing with treasuries to avoid taxes. Uh, but I also like the dividends. One of the reasons why I like the dividends is because dividends keep can be raised and they're quite, um, when you're talking about, when he mentioned dividend aristocrats people, for us people that, you know, I've been doing this a bazillion years, uh, there's a book called out there called Dividend Achievers, and there's the, the aristocrat of dividends or those dividend companies, those companies that pay dividends every year and increase their dividends every year. And they've been doing it for um, 10, 20, 30, 50 years. So I like that idea too. So I kind of like to split in both of these. I know uh, in my retirement age, um, I'm, I'm going to be heavily in both of them. And I think this, this time we're in today, everybody, this time we're in with interest rates are rising, this is a great time to start stretching out the ladder or the bond ladder because interest rates are rising and the Fed's raising rates and all of a sudden you've seen how interest rates rise, 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 rise. So when you stretch out the bond ladder, that means I'm making, you know, I'm buying bonds that come long, that are are more years. Instead of three to five years, I might go to five to seven or five to nine, you know, because I want that highest highest dividend yield on that bond, highest uh, bond yield I can from that bond. So I'm slowly stretching it out with the ladder. And take my time because I want to try to maximize it, but I think that's a, both those both those strategies are pretty sound, especially in retirement. Especially you want income in retirement, and that's how you can produce it. Midterm elections, everybody. What do you think happens to the stock market after the midterm elections? We have midterm elections every four years, you know. 
in between the presidential elections. What do you think the S&P 500 does, for instance, 12 months after the midterm election? What's the average return within 12 months? Well, let's see. Let me rephrase that. What's the average return 12 months after midterm elections? 16.3%. Why is that so? Well, it's just so. I, I, you know, I can tell you this. Many midterm elections result in gridlock, and the stock market likes gridlock. It doesn't, the stock market doesn't like one party or the other to be in complete control. does not, because they do, they, do their, they do their best to spend the money the way they want to spend it. And don't think Democrats are any wiser or less wise than the, than, than the Republicans. Both parties spend money like water. They just spend it on different things, right? So uh, many times, as I said, midterms produce gridlock. Gridlock produces less spending. And stock markets like that. Investors like that. That's probably one of the main reasons why we have such good returns, okay, over that period of time. I'm Steve Peasley, and this completes another Investor program, everybody. Justin Klein and I thank you for listening, and we encourage you to tell your friends and family members about our free podcast downloads. You can get your downloads anytime at iTunes, Google Play, Spotify. By the way, we have now surpassed 46.9 million downloads on our way to 50 million. I'm amazed. You know, I am really amazed, and I want to thank everybody for that. That is just amazing to me. Please be sure to review and rate us on iTunes if that's where you download us to. We need the ratings. We love to spread the word, and that helps. Okay? Independent thinking, share success. This is Invest Talk, everybody. Enjoy your evening. Invest Talk is a trademark of KPP Financial. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them. Specifically, nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell security. Because such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor firm which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, Call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is president and Justin Klein is chief executive officer of Klein, Pavlis, and Peasley Financial. Thank you for listening and your comments and questions are welcome on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART.